0: Uh, this morning we will be in John chapter 9, and if you've been with us and journeying through our Come and See series through the Gospel of John, we've been taking like small chunks of verses pretty much every week, and you might be impressed or surprised to know I'm going to go to a whole chapter today. Uh, so we're going to look at all of chapter 9. Uh, we're not going to read all every verse in chapter 9, but uh, it does kind of serve as one unit. Uh, it is kind of the closing unit of the Festival of Booth um, context and setting. Again, if you've missed any of our sermons talking about uh, the Festival of Tabernacles or Booths, encourage you to go back to our website, Facebook page, and watch that, because Jesus has been tying in a lot of his teachings to what has been happening in Jerusalem during this festival. He's been using the festival, which is a time where people look back at the wilderness wondering, they celebrate the harvest of the present, and their minds are looking ahead to the coming of the Messiah. And so every ceremony, every celebration, Jesus has been there saying, hey, what you're doing now, I am. I'm the light of the world. Uh, you know, I am the one who gives living water that for those who drink will never be thirsty. And so there's been a lot of teaching. There's been a lot of debate. Uh, Jesus has had to debate debate religious leaders, a lot of back and forth. Remember, they're trying to kill him. They're trying to find ways to to do away with him because he's he's really disrupting their elite power structure that they've developed over time. And so with all this teaching that has happened in chapter 7 and chapter 8, we come to chapter 9, which is the sixth healing Of the gospel of John. Remember, we said there's seven I am statements, there's seven healings. Uh, This is the sixth sign or the sixth miracle, and it really puts to action everything that Jesus has been teaching. And there is so much here for us to digest and to learn. Uh, It is just a beautiful demonstration of the gospel that Jesus has come to proclaim. But before we read it, I want to share this with you. There was a man by the name of Bob Edmonds. Max Licato shares this story in one of his books called Drawing Near to God, or God Draw Near to Me. Bob was 51 years old, and he was blind. For 51 years, he could not see. His world was just a black hall of sounds and smells, and he felt his way through decades of darkness. And then a skilled surgeon performed a complicated operation, and he could see for the first time. And this is what he said when he, when he was able to see clearly. He says, I never would have dreamed that yellow is so yellow. <laughs> how, did he, anyway, how did he know what yellow was? I mean, you know, it's. but he, I'm mad, we take that for granted, yellow. He goes, I'm amazed by yellow, but red, red is my favorite color. Man had never seen red before. He goes, I just can't believe red. I can see the shape of the moon. And I like nothing better than seeing a jet plane flying across the sky leaving a vapor trail. And of course, sunrises and sunsets. And at night, I look at the stars in the sky and the flashing light. You could never know how wonderful everything is. 51 years he was blind, and then he could see thanks to a surgeon. And he was amazed by what he saw. 2,000 years ago, give or take, on the streets of Jerusalem near the temple, there's another man who has an awesome encounter not with a surgeon, not with a medication, but with the Savior of the world a man who was born blind meets Jesus, and his physical sight is restored. Not, again, not by modern technology or a highly gifted surgeon, but by the Son of God. And this miraculous encounter not only restored his physical sight, it restored his spiritual sight, as we see as we journey through chapter 9 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 9, starting Uh, in verse 1, and we'll kind of walk through and and hit on some of these verses. So again, to give you the context, at the end of chapter 8, Jesus is, if you read the last verse, they picked up stones. They were ready to kill Jesus. He was hidden, so he has kind of left the temple, and he's still in Jerusalem. And verse 9 picks up that story. As he was passing by, he saw a man that was blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Who sinned? This man in the womb, which would be the understanding that they're asking, or his parents, that he was born blind. Now, I want us to stop and I want us to see the question that the disciples posed, and I want us to understand kind of what is going on. It is very common in this day, it was very uh, common held Jewish belief. That if something bad happened to you, or if there was a birth defect, like being born blind, then this is God's punishment for a specific sin. I mean, so, they, so their question is not out of the or By the way, the disciples probably did this all the time. As they're just wandering around with Jesus, they just ask questions. They're soaking in every answer to every question Uh, And John just gives us this one in this context because it, it illustrates what Jesus has been teaching. But they think that this man has committed a sin or his parents committed a sin and God is punishing him. And there's still people today who kind of hold to that. It's like, well, the bad things are happening to me because I'm just being punished by God for something I've done. Or I'm not in God's good graces, so I just have bad luck. But I just want to tell you, that's just bad theology. Uh, The disciples' question in and of itself is just demonstrating a misunderstanding of Old Testament text. It's It's a misunderstanding of who God is, and it really misunderstands what sin is. And so Jesus engages the question, but then he kind of refocuses their attention. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. So here's what I need you to understand about sin. In a very general sense, generally speaking, when Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, when they rebelled against God, remember they had one commandment. They had one thing, one thing. They couldn't do one thing. And they did the one thing they couldn't do. They chose to disobey God. In that moment, in that one action, God's perfect creation, all of it, was corrupted. The reason we have natural disasters today, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, is because of that one action. That one action sent sin into the world and sin corrupted every aspect of creation so when you see a person who's blind from birth, it's not a result of an individual sin that he or his parents did. It's just a result of a fallen world. And I know that's really hard for us to think about. And it's, when you read the verse, you kind of read into it just on the surface like, well, so God did blind this guy so 20 years later Jesus could come along and heal him. That's a bad reading of this text. And we'll talk about the purpose in a minute. But, but God does not cause bad things to happen. Bad things happen because we're just in a fallen world. And, and sin corrupted everything. And so don't, don't look at somebody who's going through a really bad time and be like, oh, God's getting them. Now, I, listen, I understand you could probably point to some passages in the Bible where that seems to be the case. But you do need to understand this. There are consequences for our actions, right? We make bad decisions. We suffer consequences for our choices. That doesn't mean God is dishing out punishment because it is God's desire to see all men restored to a right relationship with him. So teenagers, listen to me, young people. When you disobey your parents, they'll forgive you. But you still may have to suffer consequences for that. Okay. And so Jesus says, neither the, the, this man's blindness is not a result of any individualistic sin. It's a result of a fallen creation where sin has corrupted everything. Sin has entered the world. But then Jesus refocuses their attention. He says, but let's not focus on that question. Let's focus on the purpose. This man and his circumstances is here and God is going to be glorified through the circumstance. That's what we need to kind of focus on. When we're going through bad situations, when when things aren't going our way, when we get a diagnosis that we're not expecting or we get a prognosis that's just damaging to us, we need to understand that we can still glorify God in that situation, That God still wants to use us to bring honor and glory to his name. This guy had been blind his whole life, but God had not forgotten him. God had not left him. God says, I'm still going to use him and his circumstances to glorify me and to demonstrate who my son is. And so neither, verse verse 3 again, neither this man nor his parents sinned. This came about so that God's works, God's purpose, God could be glorified. He says, and we must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Again, now he's talking about the fact that in about six months, he's going to be hanging on a cross. He goes, night is coming when no one can work. And he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. A man who has never seen light is sitting there, laying there, and he hears Jesus say, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And remember the context. It's in these big, these big candles are lit throughout the temple, and it lights up the whole city, and it's, it's, it's written and said that it's the most glorious thing the world has ever seen during this ceremony of lights, and this man has never seen it. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he does the most sophisticated medical procedure in the history of humanity. He puts mud on the guy's eyes. It seems like a common thing. I, as a football coach, back in the day when you were allowed to do things like this, if somebody got cut, scratched, or injured, just rub dirt on it. You'll be all right. Or take a salt tablet, you know, the old joke. You know, you'll be all right. Jesus stoops down and he makes this, this mud and he puts it on his eyes. Again, verse 6, he said these things, he spit on the ground, made some mud from his saliva, spread it, the mud on his eyes, and he said, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, this is huge. First of all, we see that Jesus has done all the work to heal this man. Jesus has done the healing. Jesus has offered him an opportunity by doing the work to see light, to experience physical healing and spiritual healing, but the man has a choice. The man now has to choose whether or not he is actually going to go and bathe in the pool. By the way, this is so amazing. If you were here a couple weeks ago, We talked about the living water and the ceremony uh, was the the, the Jewish priest would go down to the, the pool, this pool by the way. The very place that Jesus is sending this man, they would go, they would fill these gold buckets of water, they would march back to the temple, they would pour the water over the altar to symbolize the rock that Moses crushed and that water flowed out of that rock and it sustained them and satisfied them and saved them. And Jesus has already proclaimed, I am the rock that is going to be crushed to save you, satisfy you, and sustain you. And so now that he's healing this man, he goes, you go to the same pool where that water came from. And when you get out, you're going to be able to see. And he did. He goes. And can you, I just can't imagine, for the first time in this man's life, he comes out of the water, pushes his hair back, opens his eyes, And he sees light. He sees yellow. He sees red. He sees the dirt. He sees the sky. He sees the sun or the moon, depending on the time of day. He sees people for the first time, and he doesn't just stick his hands in his pockets and this is kind of cool. You know he's jumping for joy. You know he's celebrating. You know he's making a scene, so much so that in verse 8, his neighbors, those who had seen him before as a beggar, said, isn't this the one who used to sit begging? And some said, uh, "Some said he's the one." Others were saying, "No," but he looks like him. They couldn't believe what they were seeing, and he kept saying, "I am the one." So they asked him, "How were your eyes opened?" And he answered, "The man called Jesus put mud in my eye, or put uh, made mud, spread it over my eyes, told me to go wash and." And and this pool of uh, salam. And so he went and washed. And I received sight. By the way. When Jesus has done something so miraculous in your life. Do you tell other people about it? Are you as excited about this. the work of Jesus in your life as this man is. For whatever the circumstance. He could not contain. What Jesus had done for him. Now, what follows is the interrogation. Again, you learn as you can, if you continue to read the text, Jesus did it on the Sabbath. He healed a man on the Sabbath. He's done that before and it caused a big brouhaha. Well, it caused a big brouhaha today. So in this passage, so much so that, again, the Pharisees say, this man's a sinner. How can he be healing people? He broke the Sabbath. They're calling Jesus a sinner. But then there are some who says, "Well, he did do the healing. How can he be a sinner?" So Jesus is even reaching some of the religious leaders, and so they pull him in, they interrogate him, and he tells them the story about what happened. Then he brings in the man's parents. Good old principal action for the schools, right here, isn't it? It's like, let's bring in, let's bring in his mom and dad. Is he was he really blind from birth? So you don't believe it. And his parents, they're a little, they're a little, they don't want to speak too much. Uh, Apparently, there's been a decree from the religious leaders, if anybody believes Jesus is the Messiah, they're no longer allowed to worship in the synagogue. So the parents, they're a little, they don't want to answer too many questions. They're like, yeah, he was blind from birth. He's always been blind. We don't know how he sees now, but he was blind. Now he sees. And so then they call the man back in. Let's pick up. Let's pick up in verse 26. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He said, I already told you, and you didn't listen. Why do you, and I love what the man says. This is is like sarcasm at its finest. He says, uh, again, I already told you, he said, and you didn't listen. Why? (laughs) Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Was like the greatest response ever uh, and, and, and they're like no I don't want to be his disciple I want to kill him and then they said they ridiculed him it's like why are you his disciple we follow Moses we know that God has spoken to Moses but this man we don't know where he's from and then it says this is an amazing thing the man told them you don't know where he is from and yet he opened my eyes we know that God doesn't listen to sinners they said but if any Uh, But if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. Verse 34, you were born entirely in sin, they replied, and you are trying to teach us? And then they threw him out. Um, I actually want to go back and look at verse 25 when this started again. They have called him a sinner, and in verse 25, the man had replied, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. Here's the one thing I know. I was blind, and now I see. Small print Bible. I missed verse 25 when I started reading all that. But he answered, I don't know whether or not he's a sinner. All I know is I was blind, and now I say, listen. We, could, we don't know how salvation works in its entirety. We, we, we don't know everything about it. But what we do know is that we were blind and now we see because of Jesus. This man couldn't recite doctrine. He couldn't, you know, he didn't have a PhD from the top uh, rabbinical school. He couldn't debate the smartest of the smart. But all he know, he knew. Was that he used to be blind and now he can see because of Jesus. And he did decide to follow Jesus. Pick back up in verse 35. Again, the interrogation's over. Jesus heard that they had thrown this man out of the synagogue. And here's what Jesus said to the man Do you believe in the Son of Man? Verse 36 Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus answered, you have seen him, the blind man. You have seen him. He is the one speaking with you. By the way, people who are out there who say that Jesus never claimed to be the son of God, the savior, or the son of man, they don't know what they're talking about. Because he just did it right here. He just told the man, I am the son of man. Jesus claims to be deity in, all throughout the gospel of John, to be honest with you. But right here, it's very clear I, the one speaking with you, am the son of man. And he says, I believe, and he worshiped. I believe, and he worshiped. Listen, that is our response. When we believe in Jesus, we worship him. We surrender our life to him. We follow him as his disciples. John Piper often says that missions exist in this world. The church is on mission because worship does not. And as long as there are people who don't believe and as long as there are people who are not worshiping, we have to go and tell just like this man who went and told everybody I was blind and now I see Jesus saved me. And then we see here that he is spiritually saved. He is spiritually brought out of the dungeon that his sin put him in. He says, I believe. And he worshiped. And then Jesus says this, I came into the world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see me will see and those who do see will become blind. And some of the Pharisees who were around and heard these things, they asked him, "Do you think we're blind too?" He said, "If you were blind, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains." you see a very clear contrast between this man who's decided to follow Jesus, his life has been changed, and the hard heart of those who reject Jesus. And Jesus pretty much clearly says this, if you were blind, then you would be able to see. But you say you see, and you're still trapped in your sin. They don't see Jesus for who he is. They see the person that they want to kill. So for you this morning... The question is this. One, are you shouting for joy that Jesus changed your life? I mean, if you're a Christian, who have you told that you were blind and now you see? That you are trapped in a prison of sin and now he has carried you out? Who have you told? Who have you shared that with? Are you on mission for Jesus just like this blind man was after he got his sight? The second thing is this, if you're still wandering in the darkness, bumping into the walls and can't see and your sin just has you trapped, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I'm shining into that darkness. All you got to do is come and follow me. All you got to do is walk towards the light. So are you a Pharisee trapped in the darkness, refusing to follow the light, or are you going to be like this blind man? who recognize Jesus is the Son of God who forgives the sins of the world. And you're going to follow him out of your darkness and into his light. During this song of invitation, I invite you to respond as the Spirit leads. I'll be down here to pray with you. The altar is always open for you to come and pray. You can pray at your seat where you're at. But if you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life, To say today I'm going to follow him out of darkness and into light. Would you come forward? Would you share that decision with the Lord and with this church? And we ask, uh, we just encourage you to follow the Lord's leading. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you that in our darkest times, you are still the light of the world that you still use us to glorify you. Help us in our situations to see how we can work to bring glory to you. And Father, help us to to tell people about how great you are, about how much you love the world, about how much you wanna save us from our sins on how much you wanna lead us out of darkness. Father, we do pray for those who've never made that decision that you would lead them into a relationship with you, that you would help them to choose the light instead of the darkness. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.